Oracle's view of the world is always up to date. The world of finance is no exception. Everything from interest rates to exchange rates at the push of a button. There's interest for the kids too. Jokes, letters and the latest pop news. While winning a prize only costs a phone call on the dial-in quiz. And when you hard-working women have earned a rest, there's Home File. Complete with lists of special prices from the major supermarkets. Whenever you want full value from your TV, page your Oracle. to Teletext People. Teletext People is a social record of people that have been involved in either the production or the restoration or the artwork of the blocky medium that once dominated our TV screens in Great Britain before 2012. In the series, you will hear from the pioneers, the people who made it tick, and also people who have only recently visited the Teletext medium, but are in their own way keeping it alive for the preservation for others in the future. Gareth Herrings is a journalist who has worked across the media in newspapers, magazines, TV, teletext, radio and online and is now a specialist motoring journalist for Hello Magazine and he was kind enough to give me some time and I opened up by asking him what his first recollection of teletext was. The first time I came across Teletext as a medium um, was probably as a football fan. Um, I support Ipswich Town. They were the halcyon days under Bobby Robson in the sort of 70s and 80s. Um, so it's always a good time to to look at the football results and to read the match reports. So I guess it was probably CFAX and it was probably looking to see how Ipswich had got on. I was also a big Formula One fan. So again, you know, I wanted to see how, you know, the likes of Nigel Mansell got on. Um, and the great thing about teletext as a, as a medium is that tables work really well. So football tables or um, qualifying times for, for motor racing. Um, so I guess um, that was probably the first time I came across it. Um, I hate to say, probably not Oracle um, until later, um, mainly because I was a sort of snotty BBC, children's BBC person. I was a Blue Peter person. I wasn't a Magpie person. So um, I, I guess I was um, more inclined to look at CFAX. So that's probably the first time. Yeah, the um, Formula One, that used to borrow some CFAX uh, graphics for its visuals. Did it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've seen some uh, clips online where they, they use it. It's um, quite a... Um, I think in the late 70s and early 80s, they, they, they used a fair bit of that. And um, uh, a lot of my family are, are, are town fans as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> well, it's certainly pain now, but it, it wasn't pain when... You know when they won the FA Cup and the UEFA Cup, and uh, um, and were flying high in the the old first division, but um, it went downhill unfortunately mm. in the late eighties, early nineties. Well, yeah, it was all, all, always um, 
my family always said that when they used to go to the UEFA Cup and watch like um, was it uh, Barcelona and all that play at Portman Road. Uh, I think I think if it was them, they would always uh, they always thought it was the norm that those days would never go away. Yeah, yeah, I wish, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I don't even look to see how they get on these days, unfortunately. But um, hopefully they will be back yeah. one day. Yeah, <laughs> there's always always one day. So yeah, so, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, Oracle and um, CFAX were obviously very important for for getting the news and information. So how did that sort of um, how how did you wind up working at a, at a teletech service? Um, you know, uh, from from the humble beginnings of just using it on 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 the TV yourself. Um, well, it, it was a bit of an accident, if I'm honest with you, because um, what I really wanted to do, I mean, I um, I went to journalism college um, at, at Harlow. You probably know Harlow mm-hmm. reasonably well. Thankfully, I was only there for a year. Um, <laughs> and then I did my uh, three-year apprenticeship on a, a local newspaper in um, in Oxfordshire. Um, but but journalism was, was my way into, or at least I thought it was going to be my way into TV, um, I wanted to be a Blue Peter presenter. That was my my ultimate goal. Um, it, it never happened. I didn't even get anywhere near near it. But um, uh, I kind of drifted. Um, so I worked um, after my local newspaper. I was um, an assistant editor, I think, on a, on a children's national children's newspaper called Scoop. Um, that lasted about a year or so, and it got into trouble. So. Um, I was then looking for other work. Um, I became, I think, the first editor of Zero magazine, which was a, a video games magazine. Um, that was very short-lived because I realised quite soon that um, I wasn't massively into video games. Um, so then I started looking again for something and I saw this role advertised um, and it was advertised as a researcher. Um, and I think it was because uh, Oracle Teletext was a an ITV company. It was, um, you know, like Anglia or, or Southern or whatever. It was a, a franchisee. And um, we, um, and I think when they advertised, um, they advertised it as a sort of grade rather than exactly what the job was. It turned out that the job was really covering for um, various section editors at Oracle Teletext, including um, Buzz, the Teenagers magazine, but also Kids, the Kids magazine, and probably the TV magazine as well. So I went in there as um, someone who covered various editors, um, which was great, great experience. Um, uh, and then fairly soon, the editor of Buzz moved on, and I got that job. Um, and um, uh, a relaunch followed soon after, and and the rest is history. Mm. Yeah, Buzz was certainly my favourite um, work of graphics on the Oracle service. Um, it was um, re- really nice to see that 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 red page with with the yellow Buzz um, on there, and it was uh, certainly a very a very attractive page. And it was um, it was a page that other um, other people who went to cut their career in teletext uh, enjoyed as well because i believe that there's um paul rose who was mr biffo went on to start digitizer in the um in in the service that you know that, that, that soon came after uh, the one 
you were working at, um, he was inspired by Buzz. He was quite an avid user of it, as were as were many people. What what sort of um, features did did the Buzz magazine have? Um, well, when I joined, um, it was um, um, it had some odd things in it, um, or at least I thought they were slightly odd and not massively interesting, to be honest with you. Um, things like um, I think there was one thing called. Uh, in orbit or orbit or whatever, which was kind of space news. Um, so there were things like that which were sort of slightly odd and quite worthy. Um, so when the opportunity came to um, to relaunch it, um, I tried to to inject some interactivity into it. Um, obviously, you're fairly limited in in the type of interactivity you can have on on a on a teletext um, magazine, but. Um, we um, we had comments from um, daily comments from uh, uh, from our users, our readers. Um, they would either f- uh, phone in to our answer machine. We had a specific answer machine. It sounds very old worldy, but um, they used to leave messages on the answer machine. We'd pick those up and um, put the good ones on screen. Obviously, they could write in as well. Um, these were the days before before email. Um, so those are really the only two ways that you could interact. Um, so the daily comments, I think we called it right on, um, was uh, was probably one of the best ways of, of interacting um, and getting people involved in, in what we were doing and having their say. Um, uh, it also enabled me to develop some sort of relationship with them. Um, there would be awful Ed comments after a lot of the... Uh, um, what they wrote in, and um, and also I could, um, dare I say it, write the, or make up the odd comment myself, just to um, not just to fill space, but also just to move the conversation in, or, or to get them going in some way. Um, maybe it was about the news, or, or you know, a film, or or music, or something. So um, yeah, I mean, I think the interactivity was something that was really useful. Oh, so you'd um, enter your own comments in there just as a bit of kite flying just to see what would uh, what, what, what would engage your audience? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think it, it wasn't too obvious. I mean, they were, um, obviously they were made up names, but I mean, um, the, the comments were were fairly innocuous. They weren't too bad, but, you know, they might trigger something and, um, you know, it might be, it might help for the following day when uh, we needed more comments in from people. Um so yeah, that was really useful. But I mean, the um, the the, uh, the bits of the relaunch that probably people remember most are, are sort of the the video games, adding the uh, computer games section, um, which was sort of I think it was sort of reviews and news, um, the odd interview as well, but also obviously the diaries as well. Mainly Debbie's diary, but later joined by Josh's diary. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it became a pretty good magazine. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite looking back at it. I'm quite proud of, of what was achieved there. Ab- absolutely. And, um, you know, coming back and looking at, you know, uh, researching the topic. So, um, it, it, you know, I wish I paid more attention when I was younger because, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the um, older services now that are archived on, um, Jason's um, Jason Robertson's um, site where he archives a lot of pages that are captured 
um, and there's a lot of interesting um, a lot of interesting features on there. Um, the um, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I'll, I'll... I think you forget, or it's easy to forget, just how um, you know how important uh, you know Oracle, but also obviously CFAX as well was because um, it was so accessible. I mean, I think um, Oracle could be um, could reach something like half the population, you know, via TV, teletext TV sets. It was um, absolutely huge. And I think um, we always used to boast that we were read by more than an awful lot of big newspapers, you know, like the Telegraph and uh, the Times and, uh, you know, the Daily Mail even and the Daily Express at the time. Um, We're not quite sure whether, well, at least I do know where those figures came. They weren't sort of... Um, particularly scientific, they were done via surveys, a bit like the barb figures you get now for TV. Um, so not real figures, but um, you know they were based on huge, great surveys of people. So it really was important. And you know, when you were young, um, uh, you know there were very. It was the internet of its day. You know, there, there weren't any other ways really to get that kind of information and um, an education. Um, you know, just at your fingertips in your in your living room, mm. and the interaction that you um, that you've mentioned um, that culminated in some quizzes that you did as well, um, uh, which you used the reveal button quite often on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's a fantastic thing to be able to do that. Um, and you know, my um, colleague who used to do kids, um, Sarah Kovanovich, used to have jokes. That was a big part of. Um, uh, her output every day and um, jokes work incredibly well because you can ask the joke and then press reveal for the punchline um, but they also work incredibly well for quizzes and um, uh, you know particularly you know end of year quizzes and things like that um, you know I think work incredibly well obviously um, when Teletext Limited took over they, they moved it into a um, you know, in, a, in another direction and and um, with, you know, the bamboozle um, page, which was, you know, absolutely fantastic and a, a super graphic to go with it. And that became, um, mm. as you know, became a cult in itself. And yeah, absolutely. It's um, It was sort of like an innovation that's um, stood on the shoulders of what you'd already laid down with, with the Buzz magazine. Um, you mentioned Debbie's diary. Um, I'd be very interested to know, um, you know, how how did you come up with the idea of uh, Debbie's diary? Um, you know, did you just wake up one day and go, you know, this is because um, we we would regard this as a blog now, wouldn't we? Um, yeah, probably. Um, gosh, um, well, Oracle Teletext already had um, a daily soap called Park Avenue, um, which was. Um, uh, created, I think, by Robbie Burns, that is his real name, um, who was, I think, our deputy editor or features editor at the time. Um, but it was written by by my colleague um, over in the TV department, Steve Regan, um, for most of its uh, most of its life. Um, so there already was a bit of a history of um, you know having some sort of let's just say fiction um, on on Oracle. Um, I guess. You know, the interaction, um, Adrian Mull was probably fairly big at the time. Um, so 
Um, I suppose a lot of the inspiration came from that. Um, uh, but also I think there was actually a, a good reason for doing it and that was so we wanted to encourage more um, girls to read Oracle as well. And um, so, you know, a diary based on a, on a teenage girl seemed like a good idea. Uh, the reality, of course, was that um, uh, it was really hard work for me um, because um, I'm having to put myself in, in the mind of a, of a teenage girl. Um, uh, so it has its limits. Um, uh, it had its limits. Uh, but luckily, um, I had a little bit of assistance um, occasionally from some of my colleagues, some of my female colleagues, um, Sarah and kids or um, uh, a freelance we had called Max, uh, Max Benato. Um, both of them uh, used to help out with certain things. And I think Max used to uh, write it occasionally when um, when I was uh, away or something like that. So really useful to have their their input. And it's really one of the reasons why, you know, that difficulty for me, um, it became quite difficult after a year or two is um, why we introduced um, Josh's diary. And Josh was Debbie's younger brother, irritating younger brother. Um, but that allowed me to um, perhaps draw on um, slightly more autobiographical stuff from my teenage years. Um, and also, you know, being a snotty little boy, you know, they do different things to, to girls. So, you know, it's a, it's a lot easier to write in, in that respect. But we didn't want to lose Debbie altogether, so we alternated them, um, I think, a week at a time. Um, and it was quite interesting as well because um, it allowed you to give a different angle um, on, on both of them. So, you know, maybe Josh would comment on his sister Debbie and things that she'd been up to and her boyfriends or whatever. And Debbie would give you an insight into into what Josh was like as well. So um, I think it I think it worked um, slightly complicated, but it, but it worked. Yeah. So with um, with Debbie's diary and, and Josh's diary, did you get any engagement back from the readers who sort of like could have could have, you know, took these characters at face value and, um, you know, made a connection with them? Well, I'm, I'm sure we did. Um, uh, off the top of my head, I can't really remember any specific instances of um, of people writing in and, you know, saying how wonderful it was or, for that matter, thinking that it was real in any way. Um, but I'd imagine a few people probably did. Um, the famous occasion, which I'm sure you're going to come to, is the, um, the literally the the one complaint that led to um, uh, a slight bit of controversy. Um, so that was um, kind of a, a bit of feedback that we um, we didn't really like, <laughs> and it had ramifications as well. Mm. Can you tell us more about this complaint? Well, yes, I can. And I have um, in my garage. I have a. Uh, an archive, a Debbie's Diary archive, which is um, actually uh, a small suitcase stuffed full of um, printouts um, from Debbie's Diary. Um, not all of them, unfortunately, but a good deal of them, because I did toy with the idea at one stage of actually um, uh, of actually putting them into a book form, um, but never got round to it. Um, but I actually, in that suitcase, I, I found 
the letter that was sent to um, to the Broadcasting Standards Council, um, which were the sort of offcom of their day. Um, and the, the letter of complaints, I'll read you a little excerpt from it in a second, um, which led to, um, unfortunately, us getting a, a reprimand from the... Um, the Broadcasting Standards Council. We didn't um, have to take Debbie's diary off air, um, but we had to put it on after the watershed, um, which was a real shame. So it went on at nine o'clock at night instead of whenever it used to go on before. Um, and we could carry a sort of, uh, a sort of an innocuous sort of um, mild summary of what had gone on the day before. So. Even if you were too young to have read it, you'd at least know what had gone on, um, you know, the day before or, or whatever in a, in a sort of small form. Um, so, uh, yeah, so this letter, I won't tell you who it's from because it's actually a photocopy of um, and he, he may still be alive and I might get into trouble. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it starts like this. Um, I think it kind of in, in some ways says it all. Um, and it says... Do you want it, dear sir, do you honestly believe that you are doing our young people a service by allowing all that filth and immortality to be disseminated over your buzz program? Question mark. Do you not have any qualms whatsoever? Question mark. Some of us are doing our best in the schools to train up youngsters in the way of clean living, clean living and clean thinking, to say nothing of work done by the scout and guide associations only to have their minds corrupted by this gutter filth and language which even upsets some of those to whom it is directed. So it's quite strong stuff. And um, uh, clearly the, the Broadcasting Standards um, uh, Council thought that um, uh, Buzz, or at least the Debbie's, bar, Debbie's Diary element of Buzz was um, slightly strong, or at least one of the days was, um, and we got a reprimand, uh, nothing much, but um, the complaint was upheld. And um, as I say, we had to put it on a um, on after the watershed. Um, mm. Interestingly, um, I also found a letter from one of the people who thought that um, Debbie's diary should have stayed um, in its original time slot. And this kind of gives you an idea it's quite interesting from a sort of cultural point of view, I think, because it gives you an idea of, um, uh, you know, how, how Debbie's diary divided people. This is from uh, a lady near St Albans who um, has got three teenage daughters. Um, she's, uh, she's been a teacher of teenagers and she was at the time a magistrate. Um, and she's saying, I'm writing to request that you return Debbie's diary to its previous time slot as I disagree most strongly with those people who think it's unsuitable for children to read. Um, and um, she goes on to say, um, I really do not feel that there's anything on Debbie's diary that could possibly do any harm. Is it, um, it is necessary to read the diary. There is nothing visual which could disturb and um, what they don't understand will go over their heads. I doubt there is anything that you don't hear about at school. And Debbie seems to be a normal 15-year-old girl. So that gives you a bit of an insight into um, uh, the times. Mm. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, having listened to to both let uh, both letters, um, I, I would say that the, the when when the first letter came in from um, uh, the, the, the upset the upset gentleman to, <laughs> to, to put it to put it mildly, I, th- I think they they probably didn't they wasn't they weren't even aware of Debbie's diary until until that letter came in. That was quite Mary Whitehouse esque, wasn't it? Really, it, 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 that, that's quite quite <laughs> an eye So um, with this nine pm watershed, how did that work then? Was that was was the diary only available between certain hours? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, to be honest with you, um, after all these years, I can't tell you when. Um, so whether it went on till sort of nine or midnight, till midnight or until the hour, early hours, um, I really can't remember. But um, as I say, there was a kind of summary, so um, mm. people didn't have to miss out. Mm. And, um, you know, many years later, I think it was um, in 2009, 2009, yeah, um, there was a kind of, um, uh, there was an article in uh, The Guardian by a journalist called John Plunkett. And he wrote an article called The Joy of Teletext. Um, and uh, there's a lovely quote in there which I really like because he mentions Debbie's diary in that and he says and quote the daily diary of a nobody which had me and my fellow students completely addicted it was a bit like Belle de Jour but without the source what's not to like and I really like the um, you know Belle de Jour without the source um, <laughs> though, though obviously the complainant thought it had too much source in it uh, but um, yeah, that's that's praise indeed, um, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that kind of quote. So yeah, no good times and um, great fun, uh, but not without its stress. Not just because um, you know I was having to put my mind or myself into the uh, the shoes of a, a teenager again. Even though I was in my you know early twenties, um, you know it's a bit of a struggle to come up with these storylines every day. So quite often. Um, and they were de- literally written every day um, and sometimes right up until, you know, when they're meant to be, um, when, when they were meant to go on air. So sometimes I'd be so desperate, I'd kind of watch um, Neighbours at lunchtime and I'd use that as a peg for what Debbie was going to say uh, later on in the day. Um, sometimes it would be, um, you know, talking about a film that was out at the time or or you know a, a single uh, a, another tv program um and uh you know if in doubt she could always have a relationship problem and a new boy would come across or something uh you know like that so it can you know it, it worked but it wasn't without its stress was there any time was debbie approached for any product placement at all <laughs> I wish that would be nice no um, but uh, there was talk as I say of a book and I'm sure we were approached by a company at, at some stage but nothing came of it which is a shame because um, um, I've you know for head of today I've, I've been looking through some of them and um, you know there was some I, I can't say I'm proud of it all um, some of, some of those days um, writing with Dyer, but um, there's some quite interesting sort of cultural stuff in there. I mean, um, for instance, um, there's a day I read where her dad um, was um, a big Labour Party supporter and um, uh, he was desperate 
you know, in the 1992 election for Neil Kinnock to win. Um, so there's a there's an, an episode of Debbie's diary where she stays up with her dad into the early hours watching election results come in. And um, obviously it's huge disappointment because um, despite um, what they thought and what the polls were saying, it turned out to be a, a loss for Neil Kinnock and um, John Major got in. So, yeah little things like that and there are lots of mentions of you know pop bands that i completely forgotten about and heartthrobs at the time that um are no longer heartthrobs and you know a lot of stuff like that and types of food you know that, that you used to eat and you don't really eat now so yeah fun times oh, that's brilliant i think well there's a there's certainly um a lot a lot of mileage for um for Debbie's uh, diary, um, I know we sort of fast forward a bit, but did um, she received a bit of a reprise uh, not too long ago? I think on um, on Jason's website. Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, yeah, if you Google Debbie's diary and uh, and click on the teletext archaeologist archaeologist uh, <laughs> site, you will you'll read those. Um, our mutual friend Rusty Russ on um, <laughs> uh, on um, Twitter. Uh, mentioned it to me. We had a bit of an exchange during the um, the first lockdown. Um, I think it well, probably was about Debbie's diary. He probably posted a picture of um, you know a, a typical day for Debbie or, or Josh, um, and it got us talking. And um, I had a bit of time on my hands um, during the uh, first lockdown, like a lot of us. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I quite fancied the idea of um, doing a little bit of fiction again. And um, uh, I kind of thought there's a bit of unfinished business with Debbie's diary as well. We had to, um, you know, when we lost, when Oracle lost the franchise, um, we had a kind of, I don't know how many months, probably six months or so to sort of wind it down, wind down the service in a way. Um, so we needed to think of a way of, um, of finishing Debbie's diary. And rather than just letting it sort of, die down, um, you know, and not have anything happening. Um, we decided fairly late in the day that, um, that Debbie, the Slater family, should emigrate to Australia and have a new start. Um, it was probably the quickest emigration ever, because I don't think we announced it until, you know, literally a few weeks before it actually happened. So um, uh, they, they really got their skates on all the, um, the packages at the embassy. But um, yeah, so um, it all ended uh, that way for, for Debbie. But um, going back to lockdown, um, so yes, um, I suggested to um, to Rusty Russ that um, I'll do a I'll do a week. I'll revisit Debbie. Um, so in 2020, I, I did a week, um, and the pages were brilliantly, as you'll see if you if you look at them. Um, were you know great copies of of what they would have looked like at the time on Oracle, and um, it was you know fascinating for me as well just to try and think of a way of updating the story because obviously Debbie's in her forties now she's married she's got her own kids um, and there was a lot of um, a lot of stuff to fill in you know in the intervening thirty years. So, um, yeah, it was a fascinating exercise and um, it was also good to to write it because I wrote it in uh, 
rather like teletext pages. So um, I sent it in uh, chunks of, I think, um, three, three paragraphs, basically, because, as you know, teletext <laughs> pages are about 70 words. So I had to think in those terms of, you know, what can I get on each page? And I have to say, even after 30 years, um, I just about got it right. There are only a few pages where, um, you know, it needed to be cut down by a word or two to fit. So, um, yeah, I was quite pleased. Mm. And obviously Debbie's life, you know, has moved on massively. Um, but it was quite a cathartic um, exercise. And, um, yeah, I was quite pleased with the result. Mm. Yeah, when I read the uh, diaries, first of all, it did strike me that it was um, teletext is such an effective medium that we're still familiar with, you know, by using uh, Twitter. Um, it's, it's very, it's very, you know, very similar word spacing. Um, and also, uh, Debbie's quite a touchstone because uh, some of the things that she was mentioning were were, were things that often cross my mind as well. So, um, yeah, it was it was very very interesting, and I'm very pleased that um, uh, you know um, Russell could facilitate you um, reproducing some of uh, some of that work. So it was really re really nice to really nice oh, to read. That's good to hear. Thank you. Oh, that's no, no problem at all. And um, so with uh, Debbie's diary and everything on the on the Buzz service, uh, what was a typical day like at Buzz? Um, were you were you um, overseeing just uh, the magazine at 560 or did you ever reach into the kids and the beatbox um, you know magazines as well um, well um, I did um, once or twice cover John Homer who was um, the editor of beatbox I know very little about music so um, it was a hell of a struggle for me to to do what he was doing which was just to you know basically as well as doing all his news and his comments, but but just listening to new albums and and knocking off reviews like he used to do was um, was was quite special, um, and I found it a bit of a struggle, but I did manage it once or twice <laughs> when he was away, um, and um, so yeah, um, and occasionally I think I might have covered um, Sarah and Kids as well, and that was quite that was really good fun because um, a lot of her content was interactive, as I've mentioned before, like the jokes. But she also had a competition um, as well, which actually involved um, phoning. I can't really remember, but I think we actually phoned people up um, and um, uh, and asked them questions and things like that. So it's, it was good fun, real interactivity, but obviously completely lost um, on a teletext page. It all happened off the page, mm. but good fun. As for... You know what I used to do on on um, uh, Buzz on a daily basis. Gosh, it used to be incredibly busy, um, and as I say, I used to leave Debbie's diary until the end, um, stupidly. <laughs> um, so obviously that was quite often rushed. Um, but I mean the things like the um, the comments um, coming in. There was. Um, we used to have a weekly competition as well. So there was a bit of organisation to be done in, in terms of getting um, uh, the prizes for that. Um, and gosh, what else was there? I mean, obviously there were quizzes as well, as you've already mentioned. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there used to be an awful lot there and it used to keep me very busy. So uh, working, at, uh, working at Oracle then um, sounded like um, great, great fun. 
but obviously we know that it did change to um, Teletext Limited around about 1992. What was the feeling on the ground when you knew that the, um, the, the, the franchise was up and it was going elsewhere? Well, you can imagine it was it was devastating, um, partly because um, we were like one big family, really. Um, um, it wasn't a sort of it wasn't like a sort of newsroom, highly competitive newsroom atmosphere or anything like that. It was, you know, we socially we would go out and, um, uh, you know, we were based in um, in Soho. Our offices were above um well, at least the editorial offices were above Boots at the end of um, Carnaby Street, so it was a great place to work, and there were loads of places to um, you know to eat and drink around there, and we socialised um, a lot, and we had fantastic Christmas parties, um, and in fact, I met my wife, my my future wife at Oracle, and we're still together thirty years on, um, so that's the kind of place it was, um, but yeah, we were devastated um, when we when we lost the franchise. Um, we couldn't understand how it was that um, uh, Teletext, I think they were Teletext UK uh, at the time, the consortium, um, how they bid so much basically more than anybody else. Um, so uh, that's another story. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was like a cloud hanging over us for the last. I can't remember when the announcement was made, but probably for the last six months or so. And what, what did you um, look to do uh, when uh, Oracle, when Oracle came to an end? Uh, you're, well, wind, you're winding the, uh, you're winding buzz down. Um, yeah. Were you hoping to sort of like, um, you know, can continue a similar service on 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 the new, on the new service? No, not really. I mean, I I used it as a way of. Um, going for my uh, my TV career mm. um, so I um, I joined uh, I well I applied for a job as a researcher um, with a, an independent production company called Hewland International they um, were already fairly well known they made Games Master I can't remember which which channel it was on mm. um, but they were starting a new um, uh, show uh, another uh, computer games, video games show called, um, I think it was called Games World, um, which was going to be on Sky One. Um, so I actually got that job um, in December before the end of Oracle. Um, and I was allowed to kind of um, keep a hand in at Oracle um, and, until the end. But my main job for those last few weeks was um, was actually... Um, down in um, in Docklands, working on uh, on Games World, and um, uh, so I wasn't there really for the last few weeks, which must have been quite really difficult. Mm. Um, I, I just popped in every now and again. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, mm. I was already moving on. Um, mm. I didn't last very long at Games World. I was there for about three or four months. Um, mm. Games World actually was. Um, the program that David Williams made his TV debut in. He was um, a character in there. I think he used to give um, uh, hand out cheats and um, tips for players. But um, my job really was to get contestants, um, you know, young people, um, school kids, 
to come down, obviously chaperoned with their parents, um, to come down to the studios and um, take part in these um, uh, games um, on screen. And um, but it wasn't it wasn't a job for me. Um, and um, I think around probably after about four months or so, I left. And that was the point where I I think we um, I went. Uh, did a bit of travel and then came back and started um, freelancing. So I did a bit of freelance for freelancing for Teletext Limited, as it was in um, in Farm Lane, Fulham. Um, mainly working on <laughs> again on the teenagers' stuff and and, and bamboozle. I think um, I didn't last very long there because I was a bit bullshy and I knew everything. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, like Oracle at all. It was all a bit too serious there for me. Um, so um, I think uh, ultimately um, we went our separate ways. Um, but bizarrely, I also started freelancing um, as a, a sub-editor at the Press Association, who were then based um, in, um, still based in Fleet Street. So I, I actually have the accolade of being one of the last people to work in Fleet Street. Um, but um, weirdly, at the Press Association, I was editing the regional news pages for Teletext. Um, at uh, Oracle Teletext, ITN used to do our news and regional news, but um, at Teletext, uh, they got the Press Association to do it. So I was looking at, you know, subbing raw copy from various correspondents from you know, the Outer Hebrides and, and God knows where, and and uh, translating those onto um, teletext uh, regional news pages. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I ended up kind of working for teletext that way. Mm. Um, but I also, um, gosh, I don't know how I fitted it all in. Um, I also wrote a news round at the BBC because I thought, right, I might as well have another go. Um, and I did do a few AP um, associate producer um, shifts there, but what they really wanted me for was the um, CFAX pages. Um, Newsround had its own uh, pages on CFAX, and um, with my uh, with my experience, um, they thought I'd be ideal for that. So I kind of joined the roster of freelancers doing the uh, Newsround uh, pages for. Uh, um, on CFAX. That's uh, quite ironic, really, that you've done a complete 360. You've managed to work at all the uh, teletext services, then go to CFAX and only jump 10 pages because you're on Buzz 560, and I believe that the news round pages were started at 570. Yeah, well done. <laughs> very good. <laughs> so um, very yeah, good. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And um, it was hugely challenging, I have to say, because... Um, uh, as you know, as you know, Newsround um, uh, was, I think it's still around um, and is an award-winning show and they have a particular way of, um, of, of telling the news um, and spreading the news. Um, and on a teletext page where you've only got 70 odd words, just to get a news story, pages, uh, news story across on a page is um, a challenge enough. But the newsround way of doing it is to give some sort of background within the story as well. So you'd find yourself 
giving an update on, you know, the latest in Bosnia, um, you know, or the Middle East, but you'd also have to give a sort of um, uh, some, you'd have to give some sort of background to the whole story as well. Mm. So it's hugely challenging. Um, and obviously there were times as well, I mean, Newsround again had its way of dealing with um, stories that were really quite heavy for, for their audience. So, you know, if, if um, you know, there was a famous case of, a, say, a child disappearing or something like that, they would always have a line they used, which was along the lines of, um, you know, these are incredibly rare events, and you'd have mm. to try and sort of get that into the, the CFAX page as well. So, um, yeah, really, really challenging stuff. Mm. And I, I guess the way um, uh, the teletext services uh, convey news anyway may, may have... Um favoured news rounds as well because you'd have to give things over rather concisely to the audience but also be very factual as well so that that's where perhaps both services um sort of like um join join together quite well yeah no absolutely and um i think there's a kind of a running joke um amongst us old teletext um journalist ex-teletext journalist which is that um you know when the likes of Twitter came along, um, you know, short form. We found it incredibly easy because we're so used to, um, you know, to cutting our copy down. Um, and in fact, even now, um, I do a couple of shifts a week as a, a homepage editor for um, AOL or and or um, Yahoo. And uh, a large part of my job is to um, monitor the news coming in from various feeds but also to um, to write headlines and intros and they have to fit. So, um, yeah, again, I'm drawing on all that experience from uh, from 30 odd years ago and it's um, still 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 serving me well. Mm, well. It's certainly excellent training. I mean, you mentioned Newsround earlier. There's a plethora of um, news readers that you see on um, ITN and on, um, you know, uh, the ITV news networks that have, you know, started um started at news rounds and that that wouldn't be uh, any different from the people who work behind the scenes uh, on, on the teletech services as well yeah no absolutely and when i was at um uh, news rounds i mean i used to have to go to the the daily editorial meetings um to get some idea of the stories we were meant to be doing and um i think at the time krishnan uh, was there who's now at um Channel 4 News, Julie Etchingham was there um, and she's obviously one of the main uh, anchors at, um, at ITN. So um, yeah, and yeah. before them there were you know, the likes of Juliet Morris yeah. um, who um, you know, were all fantastic journalists yeah. and able to yeah. convey news in such an effective way to, to young people. Yeah, absolutely. And also um, Becky Jago as well, I think, if you're an Anglian news watcher. I think she oh, was right, on it as okay. well. Yeah. No, I'm not Anglian, I'm afraid. I'm West Country down here. But, ah. um, in fact, I don't think it's even called West Country. It's ITV West. But um, uh, I grew up in Bedfordshire, so, uh, yeah, I did yeah. used to watch Anglia then. It's funny, really, where you can sort of like date people by their Blue Peter presenters and their news round uh, news readers as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, and I and I'm of that age where um, I had the Blue Peter dream team of um, of uh, Leslie Judd, Peter Purvis, and John Noakes, with Val Singleton as special correspondent. 
um, that, mm. that was an amazing uh, lineup, and um, they were all my heroes, particularly John Noakes, uh-huh. obviously. But you can date you can date people by their Doctor Who as well, though, can't you? <laughs> you certainly can. I'm a I'm a Peter Davidson type oh, of yeah, person of myself. So you're yes. a, lot young, a lot younger than me. Um, <laughs> I'm a um, I caught the tail end of John Pertwee. Um, and he's probably still my number one. So uh, they were good times. Mm, mm, uh, yeah. But unfortunately, if you watch if you watch those episodes now, the special effects are appalling. Uh, another coincidence, really, was that um, when I was working at CFAX doing the news round pages, we had a new editor at CFAX, who was a guy called Pete um, Pete Clifton, who, oddly enough, was my boss at um, the Press Association when I was doing the. Um, uh, the pages, the regional news pages um, for Teletext. Um, anyway, he became the new editor at, at CFAX and um, not long after he joined, he wanted to relaunch the service um, and he wanted to um, have a features section again because I think that had kind of died away and it was really more of a sort of news service at the time. Um, so I applied for the job and came up with loads of ideas. Um, he gave me the job and I got a team together. And um, I can't say it was a blank sheet of paper because there were certain things that we had to carry on with. Weird things like, um, got off the top of my head, things like um, chess um, <laughs> and um, obviously cookery. Lot of, there was a lot of cookery. Um, uh, what else was there? I think there was even fishing. It was bizarre, some really odd things. So we were committed to keeping those, but I was given a blank sheet to um, to bring in new stuff as well, and we'll probably come to that um, in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, one of the things that we did was to uh, build up relationships with uh, children's BBC programmes. So yeah, I had meetings with you know the editor of. Um, Blue Peter and um, various other programmes because um, we most of these programmes have their own CFAX pages and we made sure that um, so that you know if there was more information or, or some detail on how to make something or whatever <laughs> on Blue Peter then you'd be sent to a specific page on um, on CFAX. Yeah, I believe Tracy Island took a few hits um, over that time as well. For <laughs> probably, yeah. So um, yeah, inadvertently, um, I kind of developed a relationship with um, the producers of various uh, ITV shows. But um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was all very much behind the camera. Mm. Uh, sorry, behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, what sort of um, new features were you able to um, add on top of the uh, the up to the minute chess and fishing information <laughs> that you had to remit to carry? Yeah, well, again, I wanted to get some interactivity in there, so um, uh, there were viewers' comments still at the time coming in via an, an answer machine, but also email had happened by then, so we used to get them on email and obviously letters as well. And they were mostly to do with um, TV, I think. Um, so they were kind of feedbacky um, things. Um, I think we had film. We launched film reviews and um, uh, music reviews as well. Um, the lottery was new as well. So five 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 was where you got your lottery results. Um, and we we also launched. I really wanted to have um, a TV reviewer, a fictional one. So it was. Um, a 
we could all, all of us in the team, because there is a, a, a full-time team of, you know, four or five of us, and then we had freelancers as well that we could draw on. And um, I wanted it to be someone generic, and we could therefore all write reviews. Obviously, there was no continuation when it continuity when it came to style <laughs> that went out of the window because we all had different ways of doing things but um uh yeah that was really good i had the name because i wanted it to be called jack on the box um so it's just a question of um having a you know thinking up the name of a person we wanted it to be a woman um, we went through various names and in the end we ended up with um caroline jack so caroline jack mm. became jack on the box and as I say, we all um, dipped in and um, wrote reviews for that. It ended up actually being one person in particular who used to do more than his fair share, and that was William um, Gallagher, who's um, at the time one of our um, freelancers, who's now a, a very well-established writer. Um, and um, we used to uh, either watch the programmes live and knock out a, a review and um, I think we used to send it in and someone used to type it up in the late in the evening um, or we'd get uh, preview tapes so they'd obviously all be on VHS um, and weeks in advance we would you know phone up someone at the BBC or, or even ITV companies and get them to send over a VHS for you know the, the new the new episode of Cracker or, or whatever the programme was um, so that we could always have a, a review on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, really, it was great fun to, to be able to launch that. And um, uh, and it was popular and you could tell it was popular um, by by the sort of interaction, interactivity we got, particularly from comments. Mm. Um, and it was fun working on it. Um, you know, it had its dull points, things like inputting chess and fishing. Um, but we had some good stuff in there. Um, some of it was already done for us, like um, the TV listings, obviously. Um, but we had to, we developed links with all the cookery shows and they'd all be sent through to a, a certain page number as well. At the end of a cookery show, there'd, you know, there'd be a, uh, you know, a plug to, to go to CFAX. So it, it all worked really well and it was all... Um, it was all thought through well. But by about that time, then uh, we're getting sort of like close to the the emergence of the internet, as you've already mentioned. People are now sort of emailing into uh, CFAX, yeah. um, and I guess CFAX is beginning to change about that time too. Yeah, I mean, I, well, to be honest, I, I don't think it did change massively. Um, and I mean, I left. Um, how long was I features editor? I was probably features editor for about three years. And I think I joined BBC News Online um, in about 1998. Um, uh, weirdly, Peter Clifton, who I've already mentioned once or twice, um, went on to be uh, the kind of number two at, um, uh, and eventually to take over as the editor of BBC News Online. Anyway, when he moved over, he said, would I like to be the entertainment um, uh, section um, editor at uh, BBC News Online? Um, obviously, I jumped at the chance. You know, I'd kind of done what I wanted to do at, uh, at CFAX and um, BBC News Online was kind of pretty young at the time. So it's almost like a sort of fledgling service, but, but growing massively. Um, and um, that was the exciting 
place to be. Um, so I jumped at the chance and, um, uh, you know, it was really hard work because we did uh, entertainment news and there were various reviews and features there as well. Um, and um, I can't say I, I my, most of my job was more managing a team and, um, and making sure we had the right content and going to meetings. Occasionally I was able to do a feature and to this day I think if you search on Google with, with my name, um, I think I did interviews with people like Michael Crawford, Brian Blessed um, and features about, I don't know, the, um, the remastered Fantasia, those come up on um, Google now. Um, they were actually done with a, a um, an audio um, an audio alongside them, but I think that's gone in mm. the intervening years. But you can still see um, on the old pages, the old style pages, um, those uh, those reviews I did. But um, yeah, I didn't get to do an awful lot of them. Mm. But I had a great team again there, and I've, that's something I've had throughout my time at um, at CFAX and uh, and BBC News Online. Yeah, and it's, um, and working on those services uh, yet to be uh, pretty, um, pretty pretty dynamic. I mean, with um, were you in charge of the um, were you in charge of the BBC section um, when when Princess Diana died? You had to uh, change your change your service over to accommodate the um, uh, her her departure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, yeah. I I was one of those people that. Um, that got the call in the early hours um, to to get into the office, um, and we literally just had to clear um, most of our content um, in the features department. Um, obviously, we could keep things, um, certain things um, that um, that weren't you know that, that were respectful and we could have comments you know people sending in their comments or whatever about how wonderful she was mm. um but yeah an awful lot of the slightly more flippant stuff had to go um so yeah that was um that was quite a morning and it took days really before the the service um got back to some sort of normality um mm. so yeah quite a time and and bizarrely um uh I think about in November this year, <laughs> I was half an hour into one of my shifts um, for Yahoo as um, one of my homepage editor shifts and um, the news broke that the Queen had died. So um, uh, immediately into that sort of mode of having to, um, you know, change content and um, focus entirely on um, tributes um, and um, biographical stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a, a touch of deja vu, um, but I, I guess um, that's what we're trained to do, and um, and you do it. But uh, yeah, there are a few occasions like that that stick in the memory. Yes, no, absolutely, absolutely. So what what else are you up to uh, these days? Then um, with um, you, you said that you work for sort of like Yahoo and AOL, um, and um, you're, you're you're a journalist as well. Yeah, I mean, I um, I only do a couple of shifts a week, usually anti-social hours and uh, <laughs> late night or weekends or whatever. Mm. But my main job, really, for the last eight years or so, has been um, uh, has been as a motoring journalist. Um, cars are my 
my big love, uh, my big passion in life. Um, and um, eight or so years ago, I realised that um, I was offered a, um, a press launch uh, for a, a new car um, by an ex-colleague of mine who was editing a magazine. And um, it just went from there. I realised after I'd written that feature that um, I can do this. And um, it took me a, a while to get up to speed. Um, <laughs> if you excuse um, the pun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but... Um, you know, you've got to be able to compare cars, so you have to drive as much as you can. Mm. But anyway, I, I did it, and um, you know, I, I, I'd like to think I'm pretty good at my job now, and I've got some good outlets, you know, including Hello Magazine, and my reviews go up on MSN, and um, and I do other stuff that's kind of below the line, you know, that you probably don't see things for like um, Admiral Insurance and um, various other companies. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great life. I get to, for the first time in my working life, I get to travel. I've always been desk bound and um, now I get to go to launches, you know, literally all over the world, uh, drive amazing cars. It's kind of like a dream job for a lot of blokes and I'm very lucky. <laughs> I just wish I'd, um, I just wish I'd realised a lot earlier in my career that um, I could do a job like this and get paid for it. <laughs> well, yes, all, all part of the journey, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, one day then we can bring um, either uh, Debbie or Josh back, maybe uh, driving driving one of the cars, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, they're they're um, yeah, they're both. Well, I suppose they're both into their forties now. So mm. um, yeah, maybe they've got to actually drive mm. some of those cars themselves. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining me, uh, Gareth. It's been absolutely brilliant to speak to you about your time um, at, at Teletext and Oracle, and um, it's been yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, it's been a real pleasure, and um, I hope my sort of the small part I played in um, the history of Teletext is uh, of interest to people as well. again to Gareth for his time to tell us more about his um, experiences with uh, Teletext and his career. You can catch up with more of his work on automotiveblog.co.uk or you can find him on Twitter at Gareth Herrings. Thanks again for listening and if you did enjoy the podcast please do take time to either rate it or subscribe if you're seeing it on YouTube. Um, giving us a review does do positive things for the um, for the old algorithms and I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast as much as I enjoy making them if you want to help out in any way at all please read the program notes Teletext People is presented by me Carl Atrell and is a bite high no limit production until next time keep it blocky